and welcome back to another episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best because Gotta Watch Em All was taken. I am your host and friendly trainer and other such things, Ryan Geyser. And I, w- I welcome you for joining us. Thanks. Yay. March is a interesting month for me because it's a lot, a lot of nothing. And then at the very end, I have like something at the very end of March and something in April. I'm going to Via Atlanta and then Anime Boston. And it's going to be a, a wild ride, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how... Um, how I'm going to handle that, it's going to be uh, pretty exhausting, but I, I'm i going to have a fun time, I think. Uh, people I'm going with have weird schedules, though, which is making things a little bit annoying for me. And other than that, I, I just wanted to share that because I could. I don't really have much other news again, so let's um jump right into it. Yeah, let's go! Episode 125, The Little Bighorn. Synopsis. Brock attempts to save and heal a lost baby Stantler, but when a large Stantler herd appears nearby, the plot thickens. The Protag trio lazily walk around and enjoy the sights of a large city park, using it as a shortcut to the city center. Pikachu notices something rustling in the bushes, and the group turns to see two large, eye-like objects peering at them. However, Brock points out to his friends that those aren't eyes, but the horns of a young Stantler, whom Ash immediately dexes. Misty wonders what it's doing so far into the city, and Brock assumes it got lost due to its young age. The young man tells his friends that Stantler are skittish, and you need to act like a Stantler to use Stantler psychology and calm one down. He then crouches down, scratches his ear with his shoe-covered foot, and does a little kitty yeah pose and pretends to groom himself. The Stantler is understandably scared and backs away. Uh, I think you're scaring it, Brock. He's definitely scaring me. As Brock scratches his back with a tree, he then notices that the baby deer has an injury on its leg. Actually doing something productive now, he pulls out a small bag of Pokemon food and offers it in his hand, eating some himself to prove it's safe. The Stantler then releases some pleasant-smelling scent thing from its antlers, getting Brock, Ash, and Misty in its AoE. However, it then approaches and cuddles with Brock, who happily thinks he won it over. But Ash and Misty worriedly point out that a large herd of Stantler are standing angrily behind them. The three kids flee, the group of Stantler giving chase, Brock betting they think the kids hurt the baby. Standing back, the young Stantler nods slightly and limps deeper into the park. A short while later, our heroes stop to catch their breath, noticing that the herd is gone and thinking they somehow managed to outrun them. Brock is suspicious, as it seems almost like the herd vanished into thin air. Ash happily saying, well, out of sight, out of mind. None of them remembering the Pokedex entry they just heard that says Stantler can cause illusions. Oops. Brock half-heartedly laments that he just needed a few more seconds to help the Stantler's injury, but hopes that its mother will help when she finds it at least. However, some more bush rustling alerts the group to another presence. Ash wondering if it's the deer again. However, it's just Officer Jenny, who for some reason is wandering around in the brush of the park and not on the pathway. 
Jenny asks if everything is alright, and Brock assures her that they're fine now that she's here. But that there was also just a herd of Stantler there a minute ago. A herd was here! Would you mind coming with me? Oh boy! Where should we go, officer, for a romantic stroll in this beautiful urban oasis? You don't get it. I'd like you to come down to the station so I can fill out a report. Great, but it sure is an unusual first date. <sighs> he doesn't have a clue. At the police station, Jenny explains that the park is usually full of people and families, but some recent Stantler herd sightings have scared most civilians away from it. Misty points out that the Stantler generally live in the mountains, right? Jenny agreeing and unable to wrap her head around why so many suddenly appeared. Brock finally begins connecting the dots, proposing that maybe the Stantler herd was never actually there in the first place. Nash calls him crazy, but Brock presses him to explain why the herd suddenly vanished. Our protagonist unable to come up with a reason. While musing over this information, the group suddenly hears some familiar shouting from outside, everyone rushing out to see a panicked Team Rocket trio running and crying out, Stampede! The three running in place as they give their motto. Ash questions what they were up to. The Rockets claiming that they heard there was a group of Stantler nearby and wanted to catch them for their boss. Meowth then gives a similar story to Ash's group. At first, they just saw one, but then a whole angry group of them appeared out of nowhere before vanishing. Team Rocket realizing that their pursuers are also mysteriously gone. Unknown to the group, the baby Stantler peeks out from behind an alleyway, sending the same scent and creating the same, spoiler, stampede illusion. Team Rocket takes off running again, Jesse angrily demanding the herd make up their mind if they're chasing or not, while Jenny ushers the Pokey crew inside the station. Brock, however, hesitates, trying to figure out what's going on, before noticing that some of the Stantlers seem to be passing through lampposts and building walls, finally realizing what's going on. Ash yells for him to come inside, but the young man decides to test his theory, standing arms wide in the middle of the street and yelling out that he means Stantler no harm and for it to not be scared. The group cries out as it looks like their friend was hit and trampled. But an unharmed Brock then manages to see through the illusion, now knowing it's fake, and spot the baby Stantler walking with the herd as a cover. The baby then dispels the illusion, the pokey crew and officer wondering what just happened as Brock rushes to the baby, assuring it that everything will be okay and that the group just wants to be its friend, the Stantler finally reciprocating these feelings. It's then that the Who's That Pokemon segment happens, and it's a Totodile, but it's missing its nostrils and just looks really weird. Brock finally manages to patch up Stantler's leg, the deer sitting in his lap and nuzzling him. Ash, still unable to figure out what's going on, has to be told that the Pokemon's horn smell caused the group to hallucinate the herd, when in actuality there was no herd to begin with, only ever a frightened baby. Ash proclaims that Brock's Pokemon smarts are what'll make him a great breeder one day, Brock impressing Jenny with his dream, as we then flash back to him acting like a cat, the boy saying it was all according to plan, getting a good glimpse at the Pokemon's emotional state. It seems to me that you know almost everything there is to know about Pokemon already. <laughs> Not hardly. 
I mean it. I can tell you have a way of sensing exactly what's in a Pokemon's heart. Well, maybe I can feel what's in a Pokemon's heart. But I... But I only wish you had the power to feel all the feelings I'm feeling in my heart, Officer Jenny. Uh, let's go. Uh, sensitive before oh, all those feelings ears. of yours get hurt. <laughs> Dang, Misty, that one was cold. It wasn't completely unprovoked. Jenny was taking an interest in him that time, and he rolled with it, and then you just block him like that. Harsh. On the roof, Meowth spies on the police station, learning that the herd was an illusion the whole time as well. Angered, they decide to catch the baby as revenge, and because one Pokemon's better than none. It just so happens that I've acquired an anti-Stantler secret weapon. Hey, maybe you ain't as brainless as you look. Right, I'm not as brainless as... Well, at least I'm not as brainless as you are! James, uh -huh. how did you happen to acquire this anti-Stantler secret weapon? I used our remaining funds and bought it. Hey! What's the idea spending our dough? How are we going to live without money? Well, if we don't do something to make sure we bring the boss a rare Pokémon, we won't have to worry about living for very long! <sighs> Maybe we could take out a loan. Me, ouch! That night, our heroes sleep at the police station, letting Stantler rest. Misty bets it got separated from its family when it got her, and that the other Stantler must be worried sick. Brock says they'll take it and release it to the mountains in the morning. Ash and Misty both wonder if Brock is tempted to keep the Pokemon, since it seems to have taken a liking to the guy. But he tells the two that it's just starved for affection after being lost, and that the best thing for it is to be reunited with its herd. Misty then genuinely tells Brock he's a good guy, with a good heart, and the three go to sleep. Come dawn, the Pokey crew brings Stantler to the foot of the mountain in the woods. But when it seems reluctant to leave, Brock has to make a hard decision. Believe me, this is for your own good. We don't want you around anymore! Go! You get going right now! Brock reluctantly remains stone-faced, feeling bad about being mean to the young Stantler, but knowing it had to be done, the deer departing deeper into the woods as he begins to tremble slightly in sadness. However, before the trio can call this case closed, Team Rocket floats in their balloon overhead, spotting the Stantler and descending after it. Returning to the city, Brock looks towards the forest again, spotting the Rocket's balloon and worrying for the Pokémon's safety. The evil trio activate their secret weapon, a giant deer robot. Not a Stantler, like an actual real-life doe, but also a robot. And it's massive, and considering they both, one, didn't know the twerps would return, and two, did know the illusions were harmless, this seems like major overkill for an injured baby Pokemon. Well, there it is! The Anti-Stantler number seven! Number seven? What happened to the first six? Unfortunately, there were a few expensive bugs to work out. And I bet you exterminated our bank account to do it! Well, it'll be worth it if we catch that Stantler for the boss. Exactly how does this thing work? It happens to work exceedingly well, Jesse. Watch this. The baby attempts to use the illusion again, but not having any sense of smell or sentience to recognize and flee from the illusion. The dear robot ignores it and shoots out a net, capturing the baby.
Jessie compliments the robot and asks what the next step is. Her and Meowth sighing when James replies that they have to go down and get Stantler. As Brock rushes ahead of his friends to help the Pokemon, the Stantler uses the smell on its horns to appeal to Meowth, who begins crying and saying that the deer just wants to see its mom and maybe they should just let it go. Jesse and James, however, say that mercy isn't in their dictionary. Meowth then jumps between crying and empathy and insisting he's an evil cat who's not a crybaby. The distraction gives Brock just enough time to reach them before the balloon takes off. James then smirks, triggering his mecha deer to launch a barrage of spears at Brock, none of them hitting him, but they do block his path. Not only could he have almost died, he also could have just walked around the spear wall. The rockets take off, Meowth asking if they're taking the robot with them. James wonders why they'd need to, since they already got Stantler, and the cat angrily says that they should at least sell the scrap parts. Brock, acting as fast as he can, sends out Onyx. The rock snake tackles the robot, knocking it off balance and binding it, crushing the deer in its coils and blowing it up. The young man recalls his Pokemon, rushing after the balloon. Ash and Misty, who finally catch up, try to have Pikachu electrocute the rockets. But his shock just doesn't reach. I don't know, Ash, maybe use the flying and or Pikachu launching beetle you have? Or Charizard? Brock continues to run after the crying Stantler, yelling out for it. Just then, some hoof thumps from the mountain rapidly approach, an adult Stantler jumping off a rock face and slashing both the net rope and the balloon basket. The baby begins falling to the ground, but Ash sends out Bulbasaur, who quickly captures the net with Vine Whip. Unfortunately, the net it's held in breaks, Stantler falling further, but Brock manages to catch it, thanking his choice to play in the Little League as a kid. A short distance away, Team Rocket laments their broken balloon before some more hoof clops alert the three to a crowd of angry Stantler surrounding them. Jesse wonders how stupid the baby thinks they are to fall for this twice, James angrily tossing his broken robot remote at one of the deer's heads. Only to worry when, instead of phasing through, it bounces off the Stantler and falls to the ground, being stomped on and shattered. The Rockets claim that either that is a very good illusion, or they're all about to die. And when the herd starts screaming audibly and charging at the evil trio, they're bucked into the air by one of them, blasting off into the distance. At sunset, which must be many hours later since they dropped the deer off in the morning, Brock encourages the baby Stantler to return to its family, this time much less mean, since he can be a bit nicer about it this time. The baby looks back at him one final time, and with Brock's nod, departs along with the rest of the herd. Our heroes are happy that the Pokemon is right back where it belongs, waving farewell as the narrator assures us that the knowledge and experience gained that day will help Brock achieve his dream. We got a Brock episode this time! That doesn't happen super often, huh? While it is technically just more kind of filler, I guess you could say, I do actually like this episode. The occasional bit of focus on Ash's companions and their growth and goals and personality is refreshing when put next to the trainer of the day stories. 
Plus, the episode was really nice to Brock. The only parts that really kind of mocked him were when he was acting like a Stantler, which was revealed to have actually legitimately helped in the long run, and the couple of seconds of him crushing on Jenny. Otherwise, everyone's pointing out how kind, mature, and knowledgeable the guy is, which is pleasant. It's actually a very good vibe. I like it. Good episode all around. Brings in some good vibes. Yeah! Will the next episode have good vibes? Let's go find out with... Episode 126, The Chikorita Rescue. Synopsis. Ash encounters a wild Chikorita who is steadfast and determined in battle. Wanting to add a Pokemon like that to his team, he must compete with Team Rocket attempting to do the same. Taking a mountain path to Violet City, Brock begins complaining about how cold the altitude makes it. Misty then points out that one of the mountains even has snow, Ash commenting on how cool and just like winter it must be over there. Possibly forgetting the fact that he almost died on a snowy mountain just like that one in Kanto in Snow Way Out. And another one in the Orange Archipelago against the second Orange crew member who lived on that oddly abandoned island. I still don't trust that guy. The boy then suggests that they go check it out and see if they can ski up there. Brock especially fond of the idea since he thinks he'll meet a bunch of hot skiing girls. <sighs> Ashton interrupts Misty's teasing of Brock to point out something even better than skiing. A sleeping wild chikorita. Carefully getting closer, Misty notices the sweet scent drifting from the Pokemon. Brock commenting that it's the same kind of smell Casey's chikorita had back in the baseball episode. Flashing back to it. Ah, good times. Ash then runs right up to the grass type, vowing to catch it, the Pokemon waking up at his approach and standing ready to battle. If this Chikorita belongs to anybody, tell me now! <laughs> if you don't, I'm gonna capture it! Don't say I didn't give you fair warning! Despite Ash's yelling, the Chikorita isn't scared away, Brock pointing out that it seems like a pretty tough and aggressive opponent. Misty swore she heard that Chikorita are supposed to be kind and sweet, but Ash happily comments that there's nothing sweeter than a powerful team member, sending out Bulbasaur to battle. Chikorita charges at it, but Bulbasaur knocks it away with Vine Whip. The Johto starter flings out some razor leaves, but Bulbasaur counters and knocks them away with its own. Misty comments that Bulbasaur seems confident, but Brock worries that it's being too confident. Bulbasaur then slams into Chikorita, knocking it back and down. Ash takes this chance to throw a Pokeball, but his target quickly gets up and knocks the ball with its head leaf, surprising Ash with its sturdiness. A distracted Bulbasaur is then hit right in the head with a Vine Whip, which somehow knocks it into a state too pain to continue. Not knocked out, just with a sore forehead. Ash recalls his grass partner, deciding to break out the big guns. Charizard! Chikorita seems a bit intimidated, but boldly stands her ground. Also, I'm going to start referring to it as she, her, since it is later confirmed to be a female. Wee! Chikorita then charges at the lizard, but Charizard stops her with his foot, just calmly holding her back and yawning. However, Ash encourages the fire type to not take its opponent for granted, as it's proven tricky so far. He then has Charizard use Flamethrower, but thinking fast, Chikorita binds her opponent's other leg, tripping it over onto the ground, where it ends up blasting fire into Ash's face instead. 
Charizard then sheepishly and cutely apologizes. God, I love him. Chikorita then launches another razor leaf, which Charizard easily burns up. It then attempts to tackle the grass type, but Chikorita cleverly uses Vine Whip to hit Charizard's head before grabbing onto it, disorienting the lizard. However, because it chose to stay grappled, Chikorita is pulled along with it, sailing right towards a rock face. Charizard slams right into it, followed by Chikorita, both of them falling to the ground. Charizard sits back up after a few seconds, merely dazed before returning to its Pokeball, but Chikorita is near unconsciousness. However, she surprises everyone by still managing to stand, albeit weakly, still wanting to battle. But after a couple of seconds, she collapses. Ash rushes to pick her up, Misty commenting that the Pokemon really doesn't seem too hot right now. The three then decide to take her to the nearest Pokemon Center. Not remembering what Tracy did with Scyther, you know, capturing an injured Pokemon to more easily and safely transport it while also catching a Pokemon he was aiming to catch, Ash instead just runs with Chikorita in his arms. Unknown to our heroes, Team Rocket is watching from the trees. Jessie impressed with Chikorita's spunk. She then decides that the grass type would be an excellent addition to the team, giving them an edge they so desperately need against the twerps. As the Pokecrew nears the Pokemon Center, Chikorita begins to wake up slowly. Ash assures her that she's safe and will be better soon, but the grass type responds by biting his arm. A short while later, inside the center, the group watches the back anxiously until Nurse Joy emerges, assuring the trio that Chikorita will be just fine. She then notices the bite on Ash's arm, teasingly commenting that Chikorita didn't seem very cooperative, Ash happily dismissing her concern. Brock then takes this opportunity to flirt. I could never forget you. Your hands are so small, but I'm sure they're also gentle and caring. Dare I ask, might these healing hands impart their gentle, loving care on my humble Pokémon? Oh, of course! Caring for hurt Pokémon is what I do! And perhaps once you've healed them, you can also heal my aching- uh, I can check out my Pokémon too, Nurse Joy! And mine too! I'd love to! Now let's see, who wants to be first? Oh, oh, me! 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 me. Pick me, Nurse, Nurse, Nurse Joy! Me. Me. But I was here Pick first! Taking the three to the back, Joy explains that she'd seen a lot of Chikorita like this one, determined little creatures that stubbornly battle anything, even if they have no hope of winning. She says that she finds it kind of sad, but Ash believes that the fighting spirit is somewhat admirable as well. Suddenly, an ambulance speeds up to the Pokemon Center, two definitely not Jesse and James paramedics bursting through the doors and demanding Chikorita so they can bring it to a special intensive care unit. Joy, being the actual medical practitioner here, confusedly says that she never called for them, but the two take the Pokemon anyway. The group chases after them, Joy asserting that she doesn't know who the heck those paramedics are, the cosplayers finally revealing themselves as Team Rocket, mottoing in the belief that they've already won. I haven't seen you before. Where are the two of you from? Mm -hmm. We're from the team that causes trouble. I hope you're insured, because we make it double. Oh! To protect the world from devastation. To unite all peoples within our nation. To denounce the evils of truth and love. To extend our reach to the stars above. 
Dr. Jesse. Dr. James. Team Rocket Doctors, blast off at the speed of light. Surrender now, because we're not making any more house calls. You got that right. Also, not that it matters, since they're just playing pretend, but paramedics aren't doctors, generally. James then has Weezing smog up the entranceway, giving the evil trio plenty of time to escape. However, Ash manages to collect himself sooner than the others, and pursues the fake ambulance, deciding to try climbing a hill so he can cut them off on the other side. This plan actually works, Ash managing to reach a cliff overlooking the road just as Team Rocket drives by, confident they weren't followed. Our hero then jumps onto the van's roof, holding onto the red light on top as he's driven off alongside the stolen Chikorita. Meanwhile, at the Pokemon Center, Joy worries about Chikorita's safety. Brock then offers to pursue them as well, but is ignored, and Misty assures the nurse that there's nothing to worry about, as long as Ash has all his Pokemon, he- Oh no, he left them all at the Pokemon Center. In the snowy mountains, Ash somehow remains unseen by Team Rocket and hid in some bushes outside a cabin they're hiding in. He tries to figure out a strategy with Pikachu, but realizes that he left all his Pokeballs behind, pretty nonchalantly going, Oops, I left them all, haha, <laughs> oh well. Inside, Jesse attempts to persuade Chikorita to join their team, even announcing her as a new member and trying to get the Pokemon to sign a contract. Did she have Lickitung sign one too? Chikorita actually seems pretty willing to be onboarded, but Ash rushes in, begging the Pokemon to not do it. Team Rocket, prepare for trouble. On second thought, make that double. To protect the world from devastation? To unite all peoples within our nation? Maybe you think I'm a little too brash, but the master is here, and my name is Ash. Gotcha. My Pokemon team is faster than light. Surrender now, or you're in for a fight! Me out, that's right! <clears throat> How dare you mangle our motto! That is copyrighted material! Ash and Pikachu then chuck snowballs at the trio, expertly nailing all three in the face. Pikachu then rushes up and convinces Chikorita to escape, both running past Ash to the outside. Meowth, however, triggers a trap that somehow bounds the two Pokémon with a metal ring stuck to some rope in the ground. Ash runs out to help, but becomes captured by the trap as well, struggling to get himself and the Pokemon free. Jesse and James prepare to grab Chikorita and leave, but Ash calls for the three to run, him and the Pokemon trying to rush in different directions. But it's revealed that the trap just tied all of them together in one center loop, causing all of them to recoil back into each other and off the side of a hill. Now, a few things. One, why did Team Rocket want to ignore an incapacitated Pikachu as well? Two, how did the ring mechanism work if it wasn't attached to anything? And three, why were Pikachu and Chikorita stopped by if they were both running the same direction? It's a weird trap. Ash and the Pokemon begin to form into a giant snowball, rolling down the side of a giant mountain slope, slamming into trees as they go. Eventually, they hit a huge ramp, being flung into a tree and having their ropes catch on the branch. Their combined weight causes the rope to snap, leading to all three falling to the ground and being covered by the tree's shaken loose snow. Which is convenient, since Team Rocket rides by on a Rocket-branded snowmobile, not noticing their targets. 
Freeing themselves from the snow, the three begin to walk down the mountain, unsure where they are. Suddenly, Chikorita seems to notice something and takes off running, Ash slipping and unable to follow, sadly wishing the Pokemon goodbye right as it begins to snow. Thankfully, the trainer has much more luck finding a shelter this time, locating a perfectly carved out cave with enough dry wood to have started a small fire. Ash worries about Chikorita, flashing back to the battle with her earlier, and suddenly decides to go looking for her. He tells Pikachu to stay behind in case Brock and Misty look for them, before running off into the storm, which is less of a blizzard and more of a comfy snowfall. Calling out for the grass type, our hero thinks he sees her hopping around some bushes, but is disappointed to see that's just too neat ran in love with each other, nuzzling all cutely. The boy then missteps and falls through some loose snow, landing upside down and resigning himself to not finding the Johto starter. Only to then see it, whimpering and shivering in the snow a short walk away. He runs up to the Pokemon, saying he knew he'd find her, as the Grass-type jumps into his arms, nuzzling against him happily. He then manages to find his way back to the cave, reuniting with Pikachu and helping to warm the two Pokemon inside his jacket, the three going to sleep to wait out the snow. Come morning, the three emerge from the snow cave and prepare to head back to the Pokemon Center, only to be met with the rockets pointing weapons right at them. Jesse and James shovel snow into Meowth's backpack, which launches snowballs at Ash. How annoying and not really dangerous. Thankfully, Chikorita jumps to his defense, razor-leafing the projectiles and, on Ash's orders, vine-whipping the machine. It then goes wild, launching snowballs towards the rockets instead, and Pikachu takes this chance to thunderbolt them. They are initially fine, but the shock causes their backpack to explode and send them flying. Ash compliments Pikachu and Chikorita's teamwork, just as Joy, Brock, Misty, and Ash's Pokemon arrive to rescue them. A short while later, back at the Pokemon Center, the Pokecrew bids farewell to Nurse Joy and Chikorita, Ash asking the Grass-type to not be as stubborn in the future. The kids then depart, but Chikorita runs towards them, screaming, jumping up to Ash. Joy suggests that Chikorita wants to tag along, and encourages Ash to capture her. Ash looks to the Pokemon for permission, and after confirmation, happily declares Chikorita his new team member. And there it is, the first starter catch of Gen 2. Also, fun fact, this brief period of time is the only point in Pokemon where Ash not only has two grass starters, but two grass types on his team at one period. At no other point does he have more than one grass type on his team. I've also noticed that in the episodes where Ash catches a Pokemon for his main team, the episode does a really good job at pacing itself well so it can fit a lot into it without feeling super rushed. There's not a lot to directly point out, but this is a very well-packed episode that's a good addition to the list of important non-skippable episodes list. Eh, I said it twice, whatever. How will Chikorita treat their new partners in adventure? Well, let's go to the next episode to find out with this... Episode 127, Once in a Blue Moon. Synopsis. The GS ball, remembering it's part of the plot, is stolen by a quagsire that is mysteriously collecting round objects. Resting in the woods near Cherry Grove City, the group enjoys a lovely day, Ash taking the chance to polish his Pokeballs by the water. 
Please take that literally because it sounds like a really bad middle schooler joke. Pikachu hands him the GS ball, Ash reminding us what it is since it hasn't appeared for like 10 episodes. Misty praises Ash for acting like a responsible trainer for once, and Brock calls the group over for lunch, Ash just leaving his valuable Pokeballs on the ground as he runs over. Thankfully, Pikachu manages to spot a shape emerging from the water, our heroes turning to see a Quagsire. The three move closer to get a better look, Misty adoring how cute the water Pokemon is, and insisting that she's going to capture it. But just before she can throw the Pokeball, Psyduck emerges from his, another thing the show just hasn't shown or mentioned for a while. The two Pokemon stare at each other blankly before Misty scurries over and picks up her Pokemon, laughing about it just standing there. However, her knee knocks the GS ball towards the water, where Quagsire quickly snatches it up, swimming away while Ash panickedly gives chase. The boy sends out Squirtle, who manages to latch onto the Pokemon, but quickly slips off due to the Quagsire's slimy skin. The turtle recovers and attempts to catch up again, but is batted away by its opponent's tail. Squirtle then tries to water gun the giant salamander, the attack landing and causing Quagsire to lose grip of the ball, Pikachu grabbing onto it. The two water types engage in a water gun standoff, and Misty prepares to catch the distracted Quagsire. However, a whistle alerts them to a just-arrived Officer Jenny, whom Brock rushes up to flirt with. Before he's handcuffed, Jenny's saying they're all under arrest for violating Quagsire conservation restrictions. At the police station, our heroes look ashamedly at an apologetic Professor Oak, frantically explaining that he neglected to inform the three of Quagsire laws, and that they're new to the area and legitimately didn't know about the rules. Jenny accepts the explanation, reassuring the professor that the charges will be dropped. She and Oak then explain that Quagsire are actually very important to the city. The Pokemon only live in clean waters, so they're good indicators for what water is safe and what needs to be cleaned. As such, Quagsires are forbidden to be battled or captured. Oak has Ash promise he won't cause any more trouble, and Brock throws his friend under the bus again. I didn't mean to make any trouble, Professor Oak. Don't you worry, Professor. There won't be any trouble. Not with Brock around. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom nor vile plume will stay this Pokemon breeder. Ash won't cause trouble. I consider it my duty to keep anyone from causing you trouble. Okay. And it's my duty to keep you out of trouble. Let's go. Uh... Oak then also reminds Ash of his errand, bringing the GS ball to another expert, the boy assuring the professor it's in good hands. Which, if my synopsis and the foreshadowing battle at the beginning of the episode weren't enough, just proves something is going to happen with the ball today. Ash then muses aloud, wondering what the Quagsire could want the Pokeball for, Jenny jumping in to explain that it wanted it due to the ball being round. You see, around this time each year, Quagsire collect round objects downstream from their home of Blue Moon Falls and swim back upstream with their treasure. The next day, all the objects float back downstream to their owners. It's actually an honor to have an object stolen, as its return brings back clean water and supposedly luck as well, especially if your object is the last one down. 
Speaking of the salamander, a banging at the window alerts the group to its appearance, the water type still after the GS ball. Despite the promise of its return, Ash is justifiably protective of the Pokeball, insisting that Quagsire won't lay a finger on it as the Pokemon slowly slides down out of view. Walking back into the woods, the Pokecrew see a different Quagsire taking a round stone from the top of a bridge post. Ash remarks how weird the behavior is, and as the group all cross their arms and, hmm, in confusion, Quagsire stands next to Ash and does the same. It's kind of cute. Realizing it followed them, Ash reaffirms that it can't have the GS ball before the Pokemon jumps onto his face, causing him to flail around. The boy hurriedly sends out Chikorita, who emerges to see Quagsire on her trainer's face as Brock and Misty try to pry it off. Angered, the grass type rapidly spins its leaf around, jumping right into the huddle. After Quagsire is knocked off and Brock and Misty knocked down, the Gen 2 starter nuzzles up to Ash affectionately. <laughs> Misty wonders why it's acting weird, Brock proposing that Chikorita is overprotective due to having a crush on Ash, surprising the other two and Pikachu. Before Ash can get a confirmation on what sort of crush, Quagsire reappears behind him, grabbing his shoulders. Chikorita jealously attacks again, causing Ash to cover his head and try to dodge. But as a result of the scuffle, the GS ball flies free of his bag, open from calling out Chikorita, and Quagsire quickly scoops it up before jumping into the water and swimming off upstream. Ash tries to run after it, but Chikorita tackles him lovingly, Brock mentioning that the Pokemon's crush seems to be getting a bit out of hand. Elsewhere, Jesse and James are trying to figure out where they are, having lost sight of the twerps. Meowth, meanwhile, is playing with a crystal ball he found in a field full of round stuff, Jesse remarking how easily amused and simple-minded he can be. James then proves his simple-mindedness as well, eagerly taking the crystal ball and pretending to be a fortune teller. Ooh. Now I will gaze deeply into this ball which will reveal the three twerps' whereabouts. Their whereabouts? Who cares what they're wearing? Silence, please! As the trio gaze into it, a quagsire appears, spooking them with its reflection. The water Pokemon then scoops up the ball and hurries off with it. Jesse, upset that Meowth's small, funny, and admittedly worthless ball was stolen, prepares to send out Harbok and Lickitung. However, before she can, both Pokeballs are snatched up by two other Quagsires, the same thing happening to James with Victory Bell and Weezing. Seeing their Pokemon be carried off upstream, the three give chase. As the day turns to sunset, Ash and his friends are also in hot pursuit. Unfortunately, they can't see a sign of it anywhere. Misty suggests waiting for the GS ball to drift downstream, but Ash wonders what'll happen if they aren't lucky enough for that to occur. Well, if we're not lucky and it doesn't float down the river, we'll be up the creek. <sighs> Bad joke, Brock. Pikachu then alerts the three to a group of quagsires swimming underneath them, our heroes deciding to follow them and find the one that stole the GS ball. Just as they run off, Team Rocket runs by, Meowth wondering if he heard the twerps. Meowth wondering if he heard the twerps. 
Unfortunately, if they did or didn't, doesn't matter, since they don't even have Pokemon, vowing to handle the kids and the slimy Pokemon later. As night falls, the group finally arrive at the stream's head, seeing a body of water filled with Quagsire holding round objects. Brock brings up the fact that Jenny said the Pokemon live at Blue Moon Falls, but there oddly isn't a single waterfall in sight. However, Ash does spot the GS ball holding Quagsire. He takes out a Pokeball, preparing to catch it in order to get the GS ball back. But Misty warns him of the promise they made to Officer Jenny about not doing anything to the protected species. Brock compromises, saying they'll keep an eye on it to make sure the ball and or the Pokemon doesn't vanish. Ash very coldly going, yeah, I guess. Across the water, Team Rocket notice the twerps nearby, Meowth suggesting they can steal Pikachu if they move fast enough. Jesse, however, suggests not stopping at one Pokemon, but instead aiming for the capture of every Quagsire as well. James seems oddly reluctant, but Jesse forces him into it anyway. The group of Quagsire suddenly all stand still, staring at the sky as if waiting for something. Unfortunately, before the riddle can be solved, a giant metal claw swoops down and nabs one of the Pokemon, Ash's group alerted to Team Rocket's scheme. However, as the trio give their motto, a hole in the plan reveals itself. The Quagsire are so slick and slippery, they just easily wiggle out of the claw's grasps, gradually infuriating Jesse and James. The pink head then yells for Meowth to move to Plan B, launching a net into the water, lifting up most of the quagsires. After Jesse mentions having money left over after paying their debts from this job, and Meowth getting hungry, the trio wonder where the Pokemon hid their Pokeballs, spotting them lying dirty and ignored in a pile of garbage. The nerve of them! Leaving our Pokeballs in a pile of garbage! Slime balls! Don't you know you're not supposed to litter? I wonder if there's any potato chips left in that bag down there. The way they've treated our Pokeballs is absolutely unthinkable! Well, they thought of it, and now we should show them what we think! Meowth also spots the crystal ball, his new favorite toy in the grip of one of the Pokemon, and asks the team to let it go so he can have it back, causing the other two to start beating him up as their Pokeballs are lifted up to them. Ash demands the Pokemon's release, but Team Rocket doubles down by claw-grabbing Pikachu as well. Before our protagonist has a chance to counterattack, rocks fly at the balloon, the Pokecrew turning to see Quagsire water-gunning small rocks at the balloon. Pikachu is knocked free, being caught by Ash, who then sends out Bulbasaur. The boy orders it to use Razor Leaf on the net, causing the captured Quagsire to fall into the water. Just as this happens, the land quagsire launch a sizable rock at the balloon, popping it and sending Team Rocket blasting off. They then all do a little victory chant like quang, quang, quang. Just as Ash decides that he can't stay mad at the quagsire group, a small light over the hilltop draws the water Pokemon group's attention, causing them to swim towards it as our heroes watch, confused. The Quagsire head further upstream, Ash's group following. They eventually come out of the forest and see a large waterfall, with a beautiful blue moon rising over it, the Quagsire all watching it. The Pokemon then all start using Water Gun to launch their round object into the air, causing it to eventually land in the fall stream and float back down. 
Ash still has no idea what's happening, but Brock suggests that it's a competition on which Pokemon can get it closer to the moon. I want to mention that Jenny said no one knows why Quagsire steals stuff and have it washed downstream later. Which is weird, because if Ash's group was able to easily follow the Quagsire upstream, does that mean no one else in the entire city got curious enough to research the Quagsire ritual? Or at least watch it once, like nobody? Eventually, Ash spots the GS ball and is proud to see that it's what's being launched the highest. The Quagsire who launched it celebrating. Unfortunately for Ash, the GS ball quickly begins rushing downstream, the boy and his friends chasing after it. It then slowly turns to morning, the townspeople standing on a bridge to eagerly await the round object's returns. Eventually, the stuff is spotted, and the people rush down to pick up their lost things and celebrate the luck they bring. There's also one foreign chef who picks up a giant flower-covered ball and is like, Ah, I missed you, ball. Ah, welcome back, ball. Ready for another lucky year. Finally, the very last object floats by. The GS ball. Everyone wonders what it is and who it could belong to. Even Officer Jenny, who we know saw it earlier. Ash's group, exhausted after being up all night and running downstream, weakly screams that it's his and to not let it get away. Jenny sees this and, gently smiling, picks it out of the water for him. Ash receives his priceless Pokeball back, and Jenny mentions that he's a really lucky guy. Ash is like, yeah, the ball came back, I guess I am pretty lucky. But Jenny informs him that, as the last object to return downstream, his luck is the greatest out of anyone there this year, the crowd applauding and congratulating him. Ash is initially confused, but eventually accepts this, proclaiming that with his luck, he's sure to win the Johto League. Yeah, good luck with that. As our hero thinks he's invincible, Brock comments that if he's truly lucky, Ash will realize that he actually isn't, and the episode slowly draws to a close. Eleven episodes in and the show remembered the GS ball was supposed to be a thing. But don't worry, I have a feeling it will be very quickly forgotten again. After all, the writers gave up on ideas on how to handle it to the point the plotline was just ditched partway through Johto, the original idea eventually becoming an entirely different movie concept. One thing I find interesting is starting with Quagsire instead of Wooper. The choice of what Evo to show first seems to be slowly going wherever it wants to go. I think Gen 1 was generally good about showing the first Evos before the later ones, but I don't remember entirely. Either way, Gen 2 just wants to show what it wants to show. Honestly, I'm just reaching for words with this one. It's a GS Ball episode, and my knowledge of the future where this doesn't pay off one bit is making me a lot less interested than I might normally be. Which stinks, because Quagsire is a great, funny lad and the highlight of the episode. Alrighty, thank you for listening to another episode of I Wanna Watch the Very Best Because Gotta Watch Em All Was Taken. You can follow my Twitter, at WannaVary, for updates on the podcast, or, and or, you could follow the podcast uh, on whatever program you're listening on it to. That'd be cool. I'd love that. Thanks, man. I, I see you doing it. That's pretty cool of you. So, I hope you have a great morning, day, evening, night, outside of space, time, whatever. Have a good time. Bye. Bye.